In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success? Who defined it? Who decided that success was the goal instead of fulfillment? What happens if we shake up that definition? What if we make our own definition of success? My name is Tony Grebmeyer, and on this podcast, I'm going to dig deep into the real stories behind success. Join me as I interview other entrepreneurs who've climbed up Success Mountain and have come back down to share their stories so you can succeed. If you're ready to join a community of other entrepreneurs redefining success and finding fulfillment, go to BeFulfilledLife.com and join the community. Now, let's dive into today's show. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. It is the real stories behind success. And I'm your host, Tony Grebmeyer, and we're going to go up Success Mountain with a really awesome guest. You're in for a real treat. He is a scientist and a food and beverage expert, completely blind since birth. He's unusually tuned into his surroundings and frequently has chosen to walk the unbeaten paths in life over known territories. He's founded Accessible Science, a nonprofit chemistry camp for blind or visually impaired students. He also started holding truly blind wine tastings in the uh, Francis Ford Coppola's winery. So that's going to be awesome. He uh, now conducts these around the globe. He uh, founded SensePoint Design, a full spectrum design company with a distinct focus on telling stories to create truly memorable experiences using all five senses. He is also named a champion of change by President Barack Obama for enhancing employment and education opportunities for people with disabilities. And he is one of the Forbes media's 30 under 30 in the food and drink category. And he is our guest today on Be Fulfilled. Please welcome Hobie Wedler. That's a very flattering introduction, Tony. Thank you so much. And uh, it's such an honor to be with you today. This is, I love the podcast. I love what you're doing. And uh, it's just a, just a huge honor to be a tiny part of it. Well, thank you. And a mutual friend of ours got us connected. And uh, one of the great things before this show today, uh, we hadn't had a chance to really get to chat. And that's one thing that I love about podcasting. It gives everybody, even the person listening sometimes, the first conversation. And so the same question gets asked to every guest. So, Hobie, what is your definition of success? Oh, man, that's a great question. My definition of success is a bit multifaceted, but but fundamentally, if we if we take away all the all the facets and confusion, my definition of success is doing what you want to do with honest passion and love and determination and being able to make make enough uh, opportunities come true for you that um, you know that that that, that 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 is possible to, to live your dream and do what you love doing and create a, a you know, a, a livable income on that. And, and I don't, I don't think of, I need to back up a little bit because I don't think of success as tied to money at all. I think success is being happy, whatever happiness is for you doing what you love to do. Now, I know that's, that probably is, is fairly vague and something that people say a lot, but, but to me, it's, it's very simple. It's, Success is all about not holding back and also feeling good about yourself. So I see so many people that, you know, the world might call successful, you know, these, these millionaires, billionaires running these companies and, or, or working at a, at a very high level in corporate. 
And then you sit down and you say, do you feel good about what you're doing? Do you feel good about yourself? And I, I hope the answer is yes, because then they can be, in my mind, classified as, as truly successful. But I think it's, it's so important. And I want all your listeners to hear this. If they get nothing else from me today, success is being your best. Your success is not going to be like anybody else's. And it's all about doing what makes you tick and makes you feel valuable and loved. Well, I like that. And I love the fact that you clarified. You're like, hey, it's not about money. Hold up, hold up. Because that's the one thing (laughs) that when we first launched that question, I had to make sure people knew, hey, this isn't your answer to money, right? Money isn't success. Now, it's nice to have money, just like it is nice to have oxygen to breathe. It's Um, also nice to have time to get your work done during the day. There you go, right? So I love it. So, hey, we we talked about in the very, very beginning, completely blind since birth. Well- I want to talk about how I think this is really, really important because a lot of times in life, people take something and use it as a negative. I want to talk about how you were able to turn that into a massive positive in your life. You didn't allow it to stop. You've done some incredible things. What an honor to uh, Forbes Media 30 under 30 in the food and drink category. You talked about you know starting to uh, hold uh, blind wine tastings. For Francis Ford Coppola, you know, you've done some stuff. So I want to talk about when you kind of first saw the opportunity for yourself, decided to do something at an early age to get yourself into a different frame of mindset because you didn't know any difference. So you were able at a very early age to do something most people still can't to this day, which is you didn't allow something to hold you back. You used it to propel you forward. Well, you know, it's funny, you know, it's a, it's a great question that you ask. And I, I have to say, I really like your, your style of, of interviewing. It really gets me thinking, you know, I can't, I can't give myself the credit at a young age for, you know, any figuring anything out and figuring out that, that blindness was actually going to be a huge advantage. I, I really credit my parents with that one. And my brother is two years older than me. He's sighted and they held us both to the same high expectations and they treated us with utmost respect and commanded the same, you know, demanded the same respect uh, in return. They also did something really amazing. And I, I thank them every time I think of it because it, it's so important. They told my brother and me that our lives were whatever we wanted them to be. And we had to take responsibility for them. And there's something amazing that happens when you take responsibility. You realize that what happens in your life is your deal, is your responsibility. If you fail at something, well, you you can take the blame for that because it's something you did that caused this not to work, right? But if you succeed, you take the credit for the success, you know? And, And I just got to loving that challenge and really taking things on that I didn't necessarily know were possible and maybe succeeding, maybe failing, you know, and, and I don't think I ever, and I still don't think I have anything figured out of, oh, I can do this because I'm, I'm blind. I don't think any of it has to do with, with my blindness, but what my blindness taught me starting at a very young age and my parents is a really good work ethic. Being blind in a sighted world takes more time. It takes more hours sometimes to get things done and I'm not saying that blindness is a huge problem because of this. It's just a nuisance, right? It's just a, a slight less. I literally think about, so I'm a chemist, right? And I literally think of my blindness as a slight inefficiency, right? 
it's like having an oven in your house. It's just a sheet metal box, you know, where all the heat goes out into your house rather than, and not all the heat, you're still going to cook your food in that oven rather than having a highly insulated oven, you know? So that blindness is just a, a, a little bit of a, of a lessening of efficiency in, because of the way that we do things in the sighted world that we live in. But uh, beyond that, it's, it's just, I'm just the same as anyone else. And what I was, what I was kind of getting at with my parents and with what they've done for me as, as I grew up is they've, you know, they work hard. They, they both had full-time jobs. My mom was a teacher, is a teacher, actually a teacher of the visually impaired. She took on that special education career after, just after I was born. So I was very lucky there. My father worked for the utility company in management and they did everything and still do everything on their house, all repairs, all anything like that. They just didn't like to hire people. And it taught my brother and I how to work hard. You get home from school. It's not abnormal to spend four hours on homework and then go work on the house until, until dark. So that instilled a good work ethic and, and, and working really hard and really long hours never, never felt problematic. So, you know, ever since graduating high school and college, I would, I would spend, you know, 40 hours a week studying organic chemistry. Why? Because that's what it took. But I knew the material after taking the time to practice and, and really knowing the material, it made the rest of it upper, upper undergraduate work. And, and then my graduate career, which was also in organic chemistry, not feel so hard because I'd done, I'd done a lot of the work sort of ahead of time. So I could spend my time focusing on other aspects that were, that were then challenges. So like using blindness to my advantage is just having a good work ethic and not, you know, not taking no for an answer in some ways. I say that I don't want to sound, you know, militant there at all. Like I will never take no for an answer, but, but just being strong and figuring out what are the ways that we can do things. I might do things a little bit differently than you or than other people, but let's just figure out how to get them done and what to do to, uh, to make these things happen and, you know, to make them come to life. So, and I really do feel like if we, if we have something that some might view as a disadvantage, others are going to view it as an advantage. And we need to get on the, on the, on the part of the, part of the equation, part of the wheel where we view anything that a lot of people would, would say is a disadvantage as a true, wonderful, positive advantage. Um, I appreciate that. I love that. Well, let's give kudos where kudos are deserved. Mom and dad, well done. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah. And, and I also love the fact that how you described your, your dad by saying, you know, look, if there's something to be done around the house, mom and dad just would figure it out. They weren't hiring somebody to come and do it. Like that's a right. great, what a great lesson towards life too, right? Because you it got was, options, right? We could We could just hire somebody to do it and you didn't learn anything. Or you could Absolutely. you could do it yourself, and if it, you know you made it worse, you can always call somebody in. But <laughs> along the way, you could also learn. You know, figuring it out is part of life. And uh, what a what a powerful lesson for anybody listening today too is like before you you call somebody in to come and save you. Remember, you can swim and you can figure it out. And those things are there for a reason, right? And life is filled. And sometimes with it might take a little longer to figure it out, but you're going to figure it out. And then yeah. you're going to have that skill in your toolbox. Oh, I love it. And just a ton of lessons. So, hey, first, man, I got to do that. And you also had a brother. Uh, he was two years older. Yeah, he's two years older than me. Totally sighted. And uh, uh, he, how, uh, he, he paved the way, man. He He's a hard worker and uh, an overachiever. So he kind of, he was the one who said, hey, step up here and get it done. You know, what, he do, was, what does your brother do for a living? 
So my brother actually uh, graduated from uh, from business school in Berkeley and worked at a few venture capital companies, uh, Goldman Sachs and and the others, um, doing um, you know a lot of uh, sort of private equity work and um, venture capital work. And then he went back to get his MBA and now is a is a partner at uh, at Google's capital company called Capital G, where basically his responsibility is investing Google's dollars in things that make sense. Well, I love it, man. Hey, what a talented, talented family. And uh, I don't know. I, he's if I can if I can do half what he's done in my lifetime, I'll be I'll be proud. So he's well, a, you know what? I, I gotta tell you, man, I, I'm the youngest in my family, and it's always cool looking up to somebody and to say, Thank you so much for helping get in trouble first and uh showing me what not to do. <laughs> absolutely. No, well, hey, great. I gotta I gotta tell you, man, it's an absolute just honor to have you. Um, here today, and I, w- I want to talk a little bit about a-, a few of your, you know, kind of incredible things that you've got to do in your life. And I know what I'm I'm only reading from today is a very just short list. But let's talk about the 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 blind wine tasting and how you got into that. I think that I find that really really fascinating. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to hear a little more about that. No, I'd love to tell you about it. Thank you for the opportunity. So I grew up in Sonoma County, which is where I am. As, uh, today as well in a town called Petaluma on the very southern end of Sonoma County. And uh, anyone who drinks wine in the United States will know that California's sort of most noted wine regions are Napa and Sonoma, and they're adjacent to each other. And I've always kind of had this, this fascination for things that happen right around me that are like in any way, shape or form. So how does the community work? You know, how does water get from the, the, you know, the city to my house, you know, really understanding sort of the inner workings of, of how a city operates and, you know, why does the trash get picked up on a certain day and, and how does that truck work and all this stuff. But I also had a fascination for things that were happening around me that were getting recognized far beyond my community. And one of the big ones there was wine grape production and wine production from grapes that are grown right in this area. So I remember even when I was about 10 years old, being fascinated by, by wine and vineyards and thinking about how is wine made and, you know, really understanding these things. And I, I guess I've always had a passion for cooking and for food and drink and have spent a lot of time in the kitchen uh, from a very young age. And I kind of thought it was a game at the time, but really trying to figure out what certain flavors were and and I would put words to flavor and, and aromas that I would smell. And I was I, I sort of sort of creating a, a little game for myself, maybe. But really what I realized I was doing is I was developing a whole vocabulary around flavor and aroma. And, I, you know, I was able to train my palate. And, and now I, I still train my palate all the time. So when I smell something, you know, I kind of pick up what that aroma is, what it, what it, what it makes me feel like, what the aroma is and assign it to a vocabulary word, right? So, and I can do this with wine or, or any, you know, anything that we might, we might eat or drink or, or places that I go even, you know, I associate them with, um, with aroma. And when I smell something in a certain place, it might remind me of another area that I was or might remind me of an experience. But I think a lot of, a lot of times in terms of my brain is very weird. And I think in calendars and I think in aromas. So, it was a really interesting thing. I, I'd taken a few, I went out to UC Davis, University of California, Davis for my undergraduate, ended up staying there for my graduate work as well. And as you may know, Davis is a, um, a big wine school. They have a big agricultural department. 
And a huge part of that is the School of Viticulture and Enology. So I took a few classes on, on winemaking and wine appreciation as an undergraduate just because I was fascinated with it. And towards the end, the last sort of few months of my undergraduate tenure, I got a call from Francis Ford Coppola's, you know, direct executive assistant. And she says, hey, a friend of yours, you know, mentioned your name. We are innovating. Francis wants to innovate a truly blindfolded wine experience at his, offered at his wineries as a hospitality experience, but he wants it to be led by a blind person. Do you want to do this? We hear you have a decent palate. And I said, well, you know, I didn't really think about it. When Francis Ford Coppola asks you to calls and asks you to do something, you say yes. And then you hang up and say, okay, what did I just say yes to? So I did that. I said yes. And I, I ended up going and meeting with the winemaking team and tasting a bunch of wine with them, you know, just tasting through some stuff and, and thinking about how might this experience work and ended up designing it. Francis really gave me the reins and I, I innovated it pretty much on my own. And what it became is an experience where we basically blindfold people and bring them into a room and, and have a really engaging conversation about them. I get to know if it's small, if the group's small enough, I really get to know each and every person, have them tell me something about themselves that, that you know, people might not know. And then one thing they love about wine. And, and then we, um, we end up smelling various aroma samples that I put together, which are actual aromas. So one is often lemon, uh, lemon zest. One is vanilla, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Things that we will be smelling that I find in all of the wine, or at least one of the wines we'll be tasting. So we pass those around. People don't say what they're smelling until everybody's had a chance to smell the, the particular sample. So we're basically priming our palates here, you know, and then we taste through for smell really in a detailed way for, you know, a few minutes per wine and then taste, um, anywhere from three to, to six wines and, and really talk about them and get into them. And a lot of people think, oh man, the blindfold must just make it fun. You know, it's a, it's a game. It's a little scary, you know, but I actually don't use the blindfold as a game factor at all. I'm literally using the blindfold so that we can focus our minds differently. And in many ways, I think more intently when we're not temporarily distracted by our eyesight, because if you think about looking at something, right, you know, you look at your window and you see a beautiful bird fly by, or you see, I don't know, one of your kid's toys just sort of splayed out on the ground. You're thinking, whether it's maybe not good or bad, maybe it's just neutral, but it's distracting, right? So eyesight gives us the most information out of any of our senses in sort of little bursts. It gives you a lot of, inf it gives you a lot of general information. I don't think it gives us that much specific information, but because it's so easy to use, and it's not vulnerable, it ends up being the most widely used sense. So we use our eyesight to obtain about 85 to 90% of the information that we take in from our surroundings. That means that we have another four perfectly good senses to obtain only 10 to 15% of the stuff that's going on around us. And I just think that that's a lot of senses and not that much information. So I always encourage people to use those other four senses a little more than they, than they might. And we just, we, we get into that and we do that a little bit throughout the, the blind tasting. So that was probably a, a really long answer, longer than you were expecting, but that's sort of the gist of the, of the blindfolded tastings, what we call tasting in the dark. And we, you know, they were successful and, and I ended up because I'm a, I'm a computational chemist and was in graduate school. So my laptop here in front of me is my laboratory and my advisor was super understanding and 
wanted me to figure out what the right career was for me. So I was actually traveling the country with uh, with Francis Ford Coppola's sales team uh, about a year after innovating this whole thing and, and, and using it in key uh, markets for, for the Coppola winery. But then I brought it to the forefront of many other foods and beverages and uh, introduced it to many other brands. And I've used the blindfold, you know, far beyond food and drink, actually, for educating high school kids, teaching them empathy by having them do some fairly high stakes activities like work with power tools, where one of them is you know, working pairs and one of them is blindfolded. That's the doer. And they have a sighted assistant that they work with. And, and you know, the blindfold can be used like, man, I've done, I've led mediations with it where people, we, we disarm people by, by not having that sort of eyesight and that tension and looking across the table at someone who you've been maybe disagreeing with. It's like when everybody wears blindfolds and comes to the table and talks, dude, the conversations are amazing. Wow. I, um, I love it. And, uh, when you were talking, I was actually able to close my eyes and I I would, I was able to listen just a little differently too. So I appreciated you sharing that. That point was just very valid. So Hobie, what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break. I wish we could say it's to pay the bills. (laughs) <laughs> but it's actually to just take a moment uh, for us to kind of get our senses together so we can come back and learn intently as you are going to help us come off of the mountain. You become the Sherpa and help lead us down Success Mountain. So we're going to be right back with today's special guest, Hobie Wedler. So please stick around and we'll be right back on the Be Fulfilled Podcast Show. We're going to take a quick break. And since Tony's taking one, let's take one together. Let's take a deep breath. Wherever you are, feel those ribs expand, that chest lift towards your chin. Let's do it now. That feels good, right? That's one of over 23,000 breaths you're going to take today. You don't even think about it, but you're focused on that one. That's life. That's rejuvenation. That's the moment right here. And thanks for doing that with me. We all matter. Those breaths matter. Let's remember them. And let's get back to the show. We are back on the Beef of Hill podcast show. Special guest today, Hobie uh, Wedler. He has been blind, 100% blind since birth, but he's been able to take that despite everything you might think and say, hey, you know what? It's only forward from here on out. And he gave a lot of love and credit towards uh, his older brother, his mom and dad, for instilling a lot of the same values, right? Something his older brother did, treated uh, Hobie the same way and didn't allow it to be a setback, but an awesome opportunity to really kind of create and become anything you want. And so we've been talking a little bit about what it was like to, you know, go in and and design and develop uh, and conduct blind uh, taste tests around wineries. And the question comes back way different than I thought, right? I just thought, hey, you got invited. Somebody noticed, hey, you've got a great talent. I'd love to have some feedback. But it's really turned into something more. And now you can uh, conduct these uh, kind of wine uh, tastings all around the globe too. So it's not something just local. It's it's everywhere. So that's going to be exciting. We have a really good time with it, actually. You know, the, the real global nature of it was when I, uh, I gave a lecture at a coffee conference, totally independently flew out to Budapest, Hungary, and, and gave a lecture at a coffee conference and finished that lecture off with about 500 people by having them taste olive oil under blindfold. That was a lot of fun. So we, we, bring, it, we bring it around. And, uh, you know, I just love, love getting people thinking about things differently. This world is 
a place that we that we all coexist in and that we you know that we sometimes get wrapped up in and take a little bit for granted you know maybe we take for granted that we have ah, beautiful oxygen that we can breathe in and and it gives us that force of life i think sometimes we take a lot of our other senses for granted and i i just realized we can't take any of this for granted you know and it's it's fun to to show people different ways of living and different ways of thinking about the world yeah you know the way that you explain things you do get me thinking so i can only imagine <laughs> um the audience today you know saying to themselves you know i i've never I never really stopped to think about that before. And so I, I appreciate that. Um, uh, you've gone on. Your, to, go ahead. What, what I want to, what I want to encourage your audience to do is, you know, maybe if you're, if you're in a place where this isn't possible right now, you don't have to do it right now, but sometime before the end of the day, I want you just to sit back and think about how the chair feels under you. Think about how your body feels resting in the chair you're in. And smell the air around you. Just pay attention. What do you smell? Right now, I smell the office that I'm in, which has a carpeted floor. You can kind of smell the, the that sort of carpeted room scent. Um, this is a spare bedroom, so it has that sort of linens aroma. And I've got the windows open. The blinds are drawn, but the windows are open. And in Petaluma, we have a grain mill. And right now, that grain mill is grinding grain. It's about a mile from my house, but I can totally smell that that smell of fresh cut, you know, fresh ground grain, which is totally iconic. You know, next time you're out on a weekend drive or something like that, roll your windows down and smell the air. You know, it doesn't matter where you are, but try to go out on some country road and just, just get that fresh air flowing and, and experience it, smell it, understand it, you know, connect with it as best you can. No, that is a good way to actually slow down too a little bit in life, right? Yeah, We're all... Man. Everybody's trying to get somewhere. And I always tell people there's nowhere to get. You're exactly where you need to be doing exactly what you said you want to be doing until you decide you don't. And then you can change. Absolutely. Thank you for, for having the audience to pause, right? I call it pause yeah. with a cause. Take and That's pay right. Pay. I love that. And to be able to smell the grain a mile <clears throat> away and to really hone in on that, that is an absolute gift. You know, one of the, one of the questions that I had is, you know, what was it like to, to go out and be an entrepreneur like you, you've done and, you know, a chemist and then all of a sudden being named a champion of change for enhancing employment and education opportunities for people with disabilities? What was that like by Barack Obama? It was pretty strange. You know, I, um, first of all, being an entrepreneur and a chemist is, is a challenge and it, it's hard work. I, if anyone tries to tell you that being an entrepreneur is, is not hard. They're, uh, they're pulling your leg because it is hard work. It is work that never ends. It's always thinking forward. What's the next thing? Where's the world going? You know, what are people looking to looking to hear? What's the next problem I can solve? And uh, just a bit of an entrepreneurial story here. One of the things that I'm doing right now that I'm just now starting, the pandemic has allowed me to really clear my head is I'm actually mentoring, acting as a mentor and coach for blind children and their mm -hmm. parents, their sighted parents, helping them figure out how to sort of navigate this stuff. And, um, you know, it's, it's being blind is hard, but if you, if you're, if you figure out how to do blindness, well, then a lot of other things that might seem hard to other people are easy. Like well, running companies is hard for sure. You know that, but uh, it's, it's also really exciting. You know, it's also a lot of fun and the mentorship program, which is sort of my personal thing, dovetails very well into the champions of change. I was 
I was very humbled and honored when I uh, when I got a note from the uh, from the White House saying that, you know, I, I've been honored as one of these champions of change. And then the work that actually did that was um, was the work of accessible science, which is uh, a nonprofit that's really no longer in existence, um, handing the assets over to another group as we speak, which I'm super stoked about. But, uh, you know, we did chemistry camp. We held chemistry camps every year for blind high school students. And we had students come to us from, I thought it was just, you know, the whole uh, motivation for it was, hey, I, you know, had really good cheerleaders, really good people behind me telling me what I could do. You know, I know there's a lot of, and, and you know, I was able to study science and, and science is thought of as being fairly visual. So I said, I want to give this to kids sort of in my neighborhood, you know, around me. And I was thinking just Northern California. The first camp had kids from Northern, Cal- from Northern California, but the second, third, fourth on in, we brought students in from many other countries. We had students come to us from Mexico and, and all around and also, you know, all the way from the East Coast and, and you know, the Pacific Northwest and what have you. So it's just super exciting that people people understood this. And, you know, there were an opportunity where, where we taught students that their eyesight didn't need to hold them back from pursuing their dreams, no matter how visual their dreams might seem to them. You know, and, and a lot of our students had never even stood in front of a stove before. So I always included not only hands-on organic chemistry, but also a cooking unit and time for students to listen to people who use science in their everyday careers and who are scientists who, you know, talking about how they understand and they believe that blind or visually impaired people could have their jobs. You know, we had chemistry professors, olive oil sensory experts, you name it. And, and uh, you know, it's just, just a great way to get, I, I loved using it to get kids excited about what they could do and, and reaching their maximum potential. And a very nice man from an organization that uh, provides audio textbooks for the blind and visually impaired community, as well as the dyslexic community, uh, nominated me. And well, I was fortunate enough to uh, to get chosen to, to be one of 14 champions of change. And Tell you, Tony, it's a it's an interesting thing. You know, I got invited to speak in the in the executive building, which is uh, directly adjacent to the White House. There's actually a, a series of doors going into the White House from there, and I didn't realize that what it would feel like to speak into the you know to speak at the podium at the main stage of the executive building until I was walking up there and touched the podium, and I had this holy crap moment. I'm speaking in the executive building of the White. This is weird. This is crazy. And it was that that sort of moment, but and it was a huge honor, but but the honor, you know, and, and I, I feel very humbled by it, but but really the, the whole point of it is to is to get more kids doing doing what they love and doing what they believe they can do, and, and adults as well. You know, my whole thing is is just getting people out there and, and, and your listeners as well. It's like you don't have to be any certain person, you know, you don't have to be anyone that you're not. Be yourself and be proud of what you do. And then that I guarantee will make you successful. Wow. Beautiful. Hobie Wedler, I got to tell you, man, it's been awesome. And I'm, I'm really, really proud that you're here today. And prior to the show, I told, I was telling Hobie, if you need anything, you know, on your journey, now you got a new friend and somebody that you can have uh, on speed dial. I'd love to open my, uh, my e-commerce entrepreneurial, like uh Rolodex and really be able to offer you as you kind of go out and play. Cause I know that as an entrepreneur, we can always use good resources. So I'm honored that you're here today. What I want to do is bring you into the fulfillment round. Uh, These are a bunch of random 
questions that I'm just yes. I'm want to ask you. There's there's no rights or wrongs. Okay. You can fib if you want to. No one's going to know the difference because it's. I don't fib. <laughs> Secondly, you can't pass. Okay. So you got to you got to just go for it anyways. Okay. Okay. Um, but I do need your permission to record this, so I need you to say I am ready. Take one sip of water. <laughs> I am ready. And now it's time for the fulfillment round. No phoning friend, no using the Google machine. No digging into storage for the Encyclopedia Britannicus. And I promise, Tony won't make you cry. And if you don't know the answer, just make it up. The fulfillment round brought to you by ShipOffers.com for all your product and fulfillment needs. Now, Tony, you ready to ask some questions? All right. You said you like to cook. You love going in the kitchen. I'm coming over for dinner tonight. Petaluma's not too far from where I grew up. What would you prepare for a meal for you and me? Okay, what I would do, something I've been doing a lot during the pandemic, I would be doing a uh, very slow smoked pulled pork on the uh, big green egg. I'm an egghead. So uh, I, I do you a, a 16 to 20 hour uh, smoked pulled pork with uh, some of my my essentials rub, which we're going to be selling online here pretty soon, that I'm super excited about. I've been perfecting these rubs for years and years, and I just decided it's time to show them to the world, you know? So I'd make you this uh, this delicious pulled pork. Wow. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, my, my mouth is sitting here watering. I'm like, <laughs> wow. I, I, uh, I've always wanted a green egg. Where we currently live, we're not able to have like an open flame. Oh, man. So I, yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> I like your ideas. Um, they're great. Um, now, while you are making dinner, what would you? By, do? by the way, I hope you. I hope you come. I hope you come take me up on that offer of a of a pulled pork sometime. You told me I, I'm coming over tonight. I'm going to make it happen. I like come it. On out, I'm going to actually bring Jeremy. Jeremy and I are going to figure out the next time we're in Cali, we're going to come stop by and and uh, have have dinner Can't with wait. you. I, right. I don't drink wine. I don't drink wine, but I'd be curious what. What's your type of wine you'd be drinking with the the pulled kind of pork that you'd be serving? You know, I think that would go really well with a with a big Zinfandel, big jammy Zinfandel. And a lot of people ask me, what's your favorite varietal wine? And I would say that's like asking asking you who your favorite kid is, you know. Can't quite do that. You know, they're all they're all good at different times. I love it. Uh okay. So you're cooking. We got good good wine. Good wine on the table. And what music, uh, what type of music would you be having playing in the background? I'm just going to be honest. I'm a diehard Dave Matthews fan. I'm going to be playing some Dave. DMB. I doubt it's on Sirius XM. I get a, every once in a while, I'll come up on that channel and just listen to an old David Matthews song. Oh man. Aren't they fun? And I also, I've actually been really loving, uh, let me just give it, give a shout out to um, one of my absolute favorite musicians who became famous on YouTube, a woman named Raina Del Cid, uh, R E E N A last name, D E L C I D. She is, um, an absolutely incredible folk guitar player and singer uh, performs a lot with her partner, Tony Lindgren, who's just shreds it on the guitar. They're amazing. And I've been listening to them a lot while I cook and doing whatever. They're just great musicians. Hey, I love it. You got to, you got to check out my, uh, my buddy's podcast. Craig uh, runs a podcast called everyone loves guitar. Oh man. Everyone loves guitar. So every, you know, he started out where he got anybody that he could who played guitar. And now he's, yeah. it's the top of the top, the best of the best. Uh, Craig Garber is a dear friend of mine. But yeah, everyone loves wow. guitar. So maybe uh, Renee and, and uh, 
I think that'd be cool. Just just check it out and see what happens. And I can always okay, make an yeah. introduction if that helps too. Oh, uh, that'd be amazing. All right. So tell me a funny story that you can share about your your uh, older brother growing up. Oh, man. Oh, this is great. So um, <laughs> he and I would... Uh, my brother's always been a been a been a big fan of of of, uh, of making money, and he's been good at it. So what he would do is uh, he would say, "Hey, Hobie, let's let's sell lemonade." You know, okay, that's fun. You know, our parents were gone, so he'd take the dog out on a little, uh, you know, totally tattered rope that we had. My brother took one of my old canes and like bent it in half, and he'd erect this lemonade stand and be like, "Hey, hey, our dog needs a new leash, and my brother needs a new cane. Buy some lemonade." We made some money doing that, man. <laughs> hey, see the opportunity, find a way, right? Your brother was like, "Hey, I'm gonna have some fun." He taught me how to be, yeah. He taught me taught me how to be entrepreneurial or something. I don't know. And he liked making money, so I'm sure that you you were able to do that. And you know what's so cool about you? And I gotta I gotta tell you, and I think this is something that you probably know about yourself now. But what an amazing, incredible guy to just roll with it. Thank you, just man. Just to roll with life. Um, Life is about I, rolling with it, you know? It is, man. And I think, um, what is that? Is a Steve Winwood song, I think, back in the day? I think so. Sometimes you just got to roll with it, right? That's right. That's um, it. But I got to tell you, man, it is awesome to see in you and really hear what you're up to. Because oh, man. I can only imagine how much our audience today is really going to stop, close their eyes. And I hope if, if it's it's for you, the audience member listening right now, to truly just close your eyes and to, and to check your senses, to see see what your motives are behind the things that you're doing. Is it really serving oh, you or is it something you're just stuck doing? You know, maybe the next time you're in the kitchen cooking, stop and really just smell what you're cooking instead of just rushing oh. to just get it done so you can move on to the next thing. Because Hobie, what you so talked about in the beginning has stuck with me all the entire conversation, right? Mm. This is what it was that it's caused you, you have to, you can't do things as fast. Sure. And that allows me also to realize that you probably appreciate what you can do that much more. I do. I do. It, so, it really. That was one thing that popped up today from our conversation is just, this is genuine character about you. And uh, please give uh, my best to your mom and dad and oh, doing a heck of a job, your older brother for being creative and trying to find <laughs> ways when the mom and dad were away to make some extra money. Heck but yeah. nonetheless, you just you've got an incredible spirit about you and I'm honored that I've gotten the chance to to have you on the Be Fulfilled podcast show. Tony, I'm I'm beyond honored and I just want to want to let your let your guests know that um reach out to me, uh visit Hobie Wedler, H O B Y W E D L E R.com. Uh it redirects to one of my other companies now, but uh, SensePoint, but will soon have its own web page up there. Contact me. I like to talk to people as you can tell. I I want to talk to your listeners. Add me on LinkedIn. Tell me you you heard me on the podcast. And I want to have conversations with great people. You all are great. I want to get to know you. So thank you, Tony. All right, ladies and gentlemen, your invitation. Hobie says, hey, check him out. Follow him up. Hobie, H-O-B-Y-W-E-D-L-E-R.com. Redirects right now to uh, SensePoint Design. But don't worry. It's going to get it right way where it <laughs> needs to be so you can uh, connect with them. But follow them on social media. Tell them that, you know, on LinkedIn, you, you heard them on the Be Fulfilled podcast show. Send them a message. His name is Hobie. My name is Tony. And until next time, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, choose to make today the absolute best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. 
But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at www.tonygrubmeyer.com. Enter your details to get the first week of the Be Fulfilled Journal for free. It includes access to our private community of thousands of other entrepreneurs. It'll give you more clarity and freedom in your day. And it might just change your life forever. Forever.